What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now it's time to talk with the founder of Homeboy Industries, Father Gregory Boyle. 30 years ago, he started persuading people that in a world of systematic poverty and violence, nothing stops a bullet like a job. Father Greg is an American Jesuit priest. Homeboy Industries is the largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and reentry program on the planet. Has offices in L.A. near downtown. He's won lots of awards. Now he's written a third book. It's about the power of extravagant tenderness, and it's called The Whole Language. It's an honor and a pleasure to say, Father Greg, welcome back. It's good to be with you, John. Well, the pandemic has been hard on everybody. It must have been especially tough on the people you work with. Yeah, I mean, I think initially, certainly when we were on pretty full lockdown and everybody had to do therapy and classes via Zoom, which was a challenge for everybody, including, you know, um, tutoring and GED prep and anger management and all that stuff. But the mayor uh, declared us an essential organization pretty early on. And so we uh, pivoted very quickly to turn our restaurant and bakery uh, into, uh, you know, we, we fed, you know, homeless folks and we address food insecurity for seniors. And, and so that became quite the going operation that utilized all our folks. So, but we've been pretty up and running for, uh, I want to say a year now, probably. Right. I'm sure that some of your people died during, during the pandemic. And you write in your new book, The Whole Language, everything stops when there is grieving to be done and that you lean into the grief. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I, I think in probably in my introduction of, to the book where I talk about, you know, identity, you know, like things get upended, you know. So for me, you know, it, it's I'm on the road, I'm giving talks, I'm in every detention facility in Los Angeles County doing services as a priest and then interacting with homies face to face. And then all of a sudden that kind of ends. And there's a grieving to be done to that. And so you lean in and, and, and then you're curious about it and then you savor it and then you relish it. And then somehow you're trying to get to joy in it. And, and that kind of what is what happens. But grieving isn't just about folks dying. It's also about letting go of the shedding of some kind of layers of how you see yourself and how you engage with the world. So that happened as well, you know, but uh, quite apart from that, I, I have three COVID funerals kind of um, coming up, you know, and trying to kind of juggle those. Mm -hmm. And I had three double funerals from COVID in, during the course of this. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot there's of lot. people dying. You, you open your new book, The Whole Language, writing that the pandemic showed that inequality is not a defect in the system. So what is it? Yeah, I said it's not a defect in the system. It is the system. So it is uh, by design kind of how it, how it works. And so 
you know, it's not like people are selfish. I don't think people are, but people are self-absorbed. So a lot of times you have to turn things inside out and it's how you, you know, look at things that, that matters. And, and so, so you want to be able to, um, you know, address the system by, by a counter system. We always think that uh, doing systemic change is like lifting up the hood of something and then asking for a wrench, you know, but it's really about, it's not just about pointing things out, though you have to do that. But it's really about pointing the way. It's about alternatives to systems. So if the system wants to punish wound, then offer a counter sign to that, which is, well, what if we healed wound? What if we attended to injury rather than banish and ostracize injury? So, you know, so if you want to address some kind of systemic issue like mass incarceration, I think that's what you do. You, you counterpose it with some other way of imagining. And I just want to review for a minute the way Homeboy works. A lot of the people at Homeboys had terrible childhoods with, you know, abusive or missing parents. Then they did terrible things to other people. And then they spent years, sometimes decades in prison. And then they come to you. And then what happens? Well, you have to provide a safe place. So that, that's the initial thing for most vexing social dilemma, homelessness, mental health issues, disaffected youth, and gang violence and returning citizens. You present a place that's safe and then people can inhabit their truth in a place that holds them and cherishes them. So if it's true that the traumatized will cause trauma, then it's equally true that the cherished will be able to find their way to the joy there is in cherishing themselves and others. So it offers a certain kind of resilience that's really newfound for people. And then they leave us after 18 months, knowing that a healing ends in the graveyard, but you can do essential foundational fundamental healing. And that's what happens here in their 18 months here. Then they're connected, they're engaged, and they're, they're kind of vital in this own kind of uh, relational wholeness, we would call it here. You get the title of, of all your books from the guys, uh, sometimes the girls at Homeboy. This title, The Whole Language, was something a former gang member in the book you call him Mario, that he told you about being, as he put it, locked up in county and having a cellmate, a Russian kid named Peter. Tell us about the title. Yeah, so I had uh, testified on this guy's behalf because they wanted to deport him to Uzbekistan. He came here with his mom when he was nine and he got into a Latino gang. So when I came back after testifying for him and he didn't get deported, um, in fact, he's working here now. So I saw one of his homies. I said, do you know this guy, David? And he goes, oh, my God, Russian boy. We call him Russian boy. And he said, um, hey, check this out. We were sellies at men's central jail and every evening he'd walk out to the payphone he'd talk to his mom and he spoke russian and he said damn g he spoke the whole language <laughs> which was his way of saying fluent he was fluent so uh when, when he said that i went wow this is great because what what if we were to aspire to a certain fluency you know the whole language which is to see which is i call therapeutic mysticism where you see the whole person and you get underneath things and 
you're not tripped up by behavior. The goal is not a be a behaving community, but a but a belonging community. Sometimes I, I glom onto these things and then I work backwards. So I go, oh, I like that, the whole language. What is the whole language? That's kind of a, how I posit it. And, and then the subtitle is The Power of Extravagant Tenderness. Yeah, I have to ask you about that. Extravagant tenderness. Is, isn't ordinary tenderness a, enough? Yeah, except I, I try to get uh, highfalutin. <laughs> I'm a Jesuit, so Jesuits get highfalutin. But, you know, part of it is to, to say it's not ordinary tenderness, that it's more. And again, I talk theologically that, you know, how do we move from the, you know, the doom and gloom of the God that we've settled for to not a gloomy God, but a, a roomy one, one that is spacious. And so and so there you are, you know, it, you know, you receive the tender glance, you become the tender glance, you try to see as God sees and you you kind of understand the depth of what people are contending with you know so so what about love the sinner hate the sin yeah that's kind of an old chestnut that we've we've liked to i i don't think sin is a very helpful thing you know i i, I remember once i was uh, at a conference and a guy got up and he was proposing a program to deal with gang violence and i remember he at one point he pounded on the podium and he said look people this works and i remember i wrote in my program yeah but i bet it doesn't help <laughs> and and i remember writing that and then thinking to myself not everything that works helps but everything that helps works and the notion of sin and the kind of you know love you know the sinner but not the sin all that stuff is very not very unsophisticated i think probably for you know a thousand years it probably worked in terms of controlling people, but it never helped. It never invited people to some spacious view of God. I, and I remember thinking the other day even that, that I think tenet is true. Not everything that works helps. But if you invited people to some larger love, that helps. But it also works if, you're, if your goal is to somehow control behavior. But the sin thing has really, we've kind of backed the sin horse. And it's a way of people not really coming to terms with that people are unshakably good and everybody belongs to us. Now, what does that action mean? What does it mean that a guy assaults an aged Asian woman on the streets of San Francisco? What is that telling you? If it's just Asian hate crime and if it's just racist, then you don't get beyond your moral outrage. You don't get underneath it where you say, oh, wow, does a healthy, whole, well person ever do that ever? No. Well, then maybe we heal people. Maybe we try to uh, include people. Maybe we try to deliver mental health services in a timely and appropriate way. So that feels more sophisticated to me in a good way. Mm -hmm. In a lower key, there's a lot of wonderful stories in this book, as in your others. One of my favorites is you describe bringing a couple of homeboys with you to give a talk to a thousand school superintendents, I think it is, and you have your guy sit in the front row, and one of them, you call him Eddie, you say he's been at Homeboy for four months. He says to you in the elevator afterwards, 
you know what I love most about Homeboy? And what, what was his answer? Yeah, so we were waiting for the elevator. There were two other people with us. And so he he's a little tiny guy. I just saw him the other day. I hadn't seen him for a while. And just tiny. And he was hanging on to my, my shoulder. And we're waiting for the elevator for the parking structure to arrive. And he was leaning his head on my on my arm. And I remember saying in the book, he was he wasn't tired, he was tender. <laughs> and then he and we're both staring at the elevator and he says, you know what I love the most about homeboy? And I said, what? He says that you're not embarrassed by us. <laughs> and I remember it just kind of slayed me. I, I remember I, right away, I, my eyes just welled up with tears and we just stared at the elevator. And and so I, I kind of riff on that, you know, about I think I was talking about God at the time, about how God, the God we have, the one we settle for is, is embarrassed by us at cocktail parties, but <laughs> and wants to avoid us. But the God we actually have is never embarrassed by us, if I recall it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's another kind of story you tell. In the new book, you describe a visit to Pelican Bay State Prison. It's California's supermax. It's where the state puts the people they consider the worst of the worst. They call them incorrigibles. The guys who are there, many of them have been there for decades. Many will be there for the rest of their lives. Tell us about your visit to Pelican Bay. Well, I, I think I, I gave a talk or I did a mass. And uh, but the, the story that I tell actually didn't happen to me. It was about a concert pianist with a little combo who uh you know gave a concert and uh, so they had like 80 guys in there with guards and uh and the chaplain was telling me about it and he said that they before too long that everybody was just weeping and so they finished and the concert pianist had a kind of a q a and they said do you have any questions and nobody could speak because they were just sobbing from how beautiful this was and, and a guy got up and and uh, he the only question he could eke out was why and and then the the pianist started crying and he says because he knew exactly what the question meant he said because you are deserving of beauty and you are worthy and there is no difference between you and me that's why and I found it very powerful because I knew this guy who asked the question. And so uh, it was kind of a reference point. I, I kind of spent more time on it, but it was that we're all the same. We're all, we all were born wanting the same things. We all born really with the same last name. We belong to each other. And that's why. So if people want to support Homeboy Industries, what can they do? Well, then go to our website, homeboyindustries.org, and especially during the holidays coming up, you can order all manner of things to send for Christmas gifts. Uh, you can come by and visit. You can volunteer. We're, you know, tutors and the like. And we have all sorts of businesses that you can, electronic recycling and restaurants all over the place. And so you can help that way. Gregory Boyle's new book is The Whole Language, The Power of Extravagant Tenderness. Father Greg, thanks for everything you do. 
And thanks for talking with us Thank today. Thank you, John. It's always good to be with you. Stay well. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.